Welcome to the Mastering the Game of Life podcast. In this podcast, there'll be insights around three key areas to mastering the game of life. Purpose, prosperity, philanthropy. Your host, Paul Lowe, the third sector mentor, is the founder of Hearts Global CIC, which along with many other of his charitable commitments, has been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from disadvantaged communities. Author of Mastering the Game of Life, From Pain to Purpose, and Speaking from Our Hearts books. Introducing your host, Paul Lowe. Welcome listeners to this podcast around wonderful, inspiring nostalgia and to challenge the theory, um, all the personal development or most of the personal development people say we should live in the moment, live in the now, here, and don't dwell on the past. I like to challenge that because I think there's great power in bringing positive memories uh, from from the past, nostalgia, and to help me... uh, to go for a trip down memory lane, help me. I've got trainer John with me, and uh, we're going to kind of compare this from a tale of two alternative cities. I'm originally from Nottingham. John's from Sheffield, but the cities really are irrelevant. It could be any any city, any town, anywhere in the UK, certainly. So uh, yeah, we're just going to have a chat about the good old days and see what uh, warm, positive, inspiring memories we can uh, we can convey. So welcome, John. Hello, Paul. You okay. Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. Good. So a touch of nostalgia. What does it mean to you, John? Nostalgia to me is uh, memories, fond memories of the past, things that you grew up with, and just things around you where you were born and the you know where you lived. Okay, yeah, I mean, that's a great starting point. Do you want to put a bit more meat on the bones with any one of those particular aspects? Um, memories I was brought up in Sheffield, as you've, you've said already, uh, around uh, Sheffield was a very labour-orientated city. So I presume it was different to Nottingham. I don't know if Nottingham was labour, but... Uh, very much so. Yeah, and we, you know, little things like we, you know, around the, they used to get the buses everywhere. There was, you know, it was... Not many people had cars, the area I was from. It was always the bus rides and the council there was always cheap buses. It was 2p on the bus, wherever you went. (laughs) And just things like that, you know, I just think nowadays that some people don't know how lucky they are, you know, with the modern day compared to where we're from in the background. Yeah, yeah. The um, just sort of not delving too deeply into politics, but Mm. almost stereotypically the... The northern towns, I mean, Sheffield yeah. certainly is, Nottingham was classed as the Midlands, or still is classed as the Midlands, yeah. but had that very industrial, certainly where I come from, the uh, very pit-dominated. Um, there was a culture there where, you know, the uh, the old man used to come home on a Thursday with his wage packet and put it on the table and go out for a drink with his mates, and, and that was it. Kids should be seen and not heard. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, Sheffield's industrial, home of the knife and fork. Yeah. No cutlery, so it was definitely that way. My father was self-employed painter and decorator, so he had to go out and he had to really earn a living. You know, yeah. if he didn't go to work, we got no money, we got no food. Yeah. So, what's your earliest mem- fondest memory, John, from from childhood? Then my earliest memory from childhood, I'll never forget. I was about five five years old, and we were the first people on our street to get a coloured TV. Coloured TV, wow. And I sat there watching the man put it in, and the first program I ever watched was Tarzan. Tarzan. And I would say that was around 1970. Yeah. Yes, that's the first fond memory. I thought we've cracked it. We're posh. Johnny Weismuller. <laughs> yeah. Johnny Weismuller. Yeah. He was an Olympic swimmer, by the way. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, blimey, colour TV. Mm. Okay. Um, what about 
So, what about football? Where, where, where do your loyalties lie? I mean, well, I know where they lie, but yeah. for the benefit of the listeners, has it always been that way? It's always been that way. My father was a blade. I've been brought up a blade. My uncle played for Sheffield United. Right. So I was, And I was born that end of the city, which was the south side. Hillsborough tends to be your north. Mm. Sheffield United, your south side. I was born south side of the city, and I got my first season ticket when I was six years old. Right. And I actually used to go with my mum, because yeah. my dad was obviously working. Yeah. And he used to go to me, go with my mum for the first two years. And then my dad said, right, I'm going to come with you. I'll never forget, he had a little minivan. We used to go at 12 o'clock. It was a three o'clock kickoff, by the way. We used to go at 12 o'clock to a pub called the Earl Grey. And I'd sit in the van with a Coke and a packet of crisps. Mm. He'd go in the pub for a couple of hours and then we'd go on to the game. Wow. Yeah. Remember my first game yeah. uh, was Forest v Blackpool, 74. And I think it was 10 ball, which is 50p to get in. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so earliest memories. What about uh, paper round, John? Did you have a paper round? I did, yeah. I had a morning paper round. I had a morning paper round. It was going up about six o'clock in the morning, got on my push bike, cycled to the, the local news agents, which was owned by a man called Mr. Payne. I remember it vividly. My paper round wasn't a big paper round, but it was a long way. Mm. And I used to go up and down roads. I used to, and half of it was over the other side of some woods. And it always used to scare me at six in the morning. I used to cycle like mad through the woods to the other road. It took me about 40 minutes. It's interesting about a paper round because I had five. And I suppose it's what, uh, I didn't know it at the time, obviously, as a kid. But I suppose I was quite entrepreneurial because obviously I couldn't deliver five paper rounds. Mm. So what I did, I subcontracted them out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But I made sure I only subcontracted out, out to lads that I could fight. Yes. Because if there was any backlash, they could bully me. And I wasn't having that. You know, I was an entrepreneur. I wasn't into... Uh, At a very early age. Yeah. So I used to take off the... I used to take the full amount off uh, Mr. Raymond. Uh, he'd be long passed away since now. Uh, the news agent. And then give the lads off of what I was getting. And basically, I just used to, uh, I suppose, supervise. You're destined to be a supervisor all your life, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's some that would disagree with that, but still, that's another story. So, uh, and what that did, John, that allowed me to, um, I suppose, get my money for football because football was my passion. It was, you know, because of the backdrop of the uh, uh, the very turbulent uh, upbringing I had at the hands of my stepfather, you know, football and particularly Nottingham Forest was my passion. And interesting, what I used to do on the Sunday, the Sunday rounds were a lot heavier because you'd got all the supplements in and people that normally didn't have a paper in the week would have one on a Sunday. Yes. Yeah. So what I used to do, there were some flats about what, half an hour from the um, from the paper shop uh, called Belcon and Road Flats. And I used to sit in the bottom basement there. And I re- if Forrest had won, people wouldn't get their paper till about one or two in the afternoon because I used to read it from cover to cover. Um, but if they lost, they'd get the papers at seven in the morning because I couldn't be doing my, the pain. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, so that's that's the paper round situation. What about girls? Did you have girlfriends at an early age? I did, yes, I did. And because I lived quite away from my school, all the girl, everybody used to live near the school of me. I used to have to cycle to see them Yeah. at night and we used to go down the playing fields of the local primary school and sit around talking away. My, fa- my first girlfriend was a girl called Lisa Rag. Right. Lisa Rag. And then forget, no, this. I come home one night and I had a love bite on my neck. Right. And my mum took the skull to me. Yeah? Yeah. Ooh, the skull. Yeah, the skull, the famous skull. Oof. 
Remember those, the clogs? Yeah. The wooden heel yeah. clogs. They hurt. Yeah, they did, yeah. Especially when they come flying across the yeah, room. Yeah, and my mum was a good shot. Yeah. yeah. Experienced. Very experienced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kind of made that to wait till your dad gets home threat, sort of mm. failing to... Mm. Failing to insignificance, didn't it? Mm. Interesting about girlfriends, John. I um, I practiced French kissing, kissing on my best mate's arm because I'd got in with this girl and I said uh, I said to him, Steve, I mean, he's gone now, bless him. And I said, uh, her name was Lynn. I said, uh, Lynn was on about, uh, we're going out together. And she, I've never French kissed her. And I said, how do I French kiss? So he put his arm out and I was I was yum yum in his arm learning how to French kiss. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and she bought me the Diana Ross LP. There was, uh, I remember, it was like a black cover and three um, Diana Ross and the Supremes, Baby Love, and the three big red lips. Yes. On the, yeah, yeah. always remember that. <laughs> what about music, John? Where was your passion for music in those days? Music, my, I, I, mean, I still have got a passion for them. My favourite band of all time were the Smiths. The Smiths? Yeah, and I used to, I started following them in the late 70s around the universities. Right. And then I got really into them in the 80s. So I suppose I was always into my rock, Motorhead, ACDC, things like that. But start following bands, the first one was The Smiths. The Smiths. Which is, a, I would always call them a Marmite band. You either love them or you hate The Smiths. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting because for me, I mean, radically different to my choice in music. Uh, being brought up predominantly with by my mother and grandmother, um, there was more of an older influence of Perry Como, wow. and Val Dunican, mm. and, and my grandma was mad on uh, Engelbert Umperdy. Engelbert, yeah. Yeah, and that song, Preezy Reesme, as she used to say. Yeah. <laughs> Preezy Reesme, and I grew up thinking the song was called Preezy Reesme, let me go. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And also in those days, I mean, as a you know, as a would-be teenager, I was into things like, and I didn't admit this to too many people because it was a rough inner city council estate. But I was actually into Donny Osmond. Wow. And David Cassidy. David and it was like, Cassidy. I wasn't. In fact, it's took me all these years to be able yeah. to admit that. And David Cassidy was part of the Partridge family. He the was, series, yeah. Wasn't yeah. He? And that used yeah. to be on on a Saturday tea time yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you you mentioned. Um, Tarzan. Well, I think one of the first recollections of a TV program uh, for me, John, was Batman. Batman, yes. Where the punches used to come. Yeah. Pow. Pow. Zap. Yeah. Ping. Pong. <laughs> and all that. And it's like I can remember as a kid thinking, "Go duck, duck, duck." <laughs> didn't obviously didn't realise it was all sort of animated and what have you. Batman. Yeah. What about? Um, so gl- glory days then you talk about football and Sheffield any anything sticking in your mind from you know more so well unfortunately being a blade we've not had too many glory days like Nottingham Forest mate but I always uh, my, my biggest memory my best match I ever went to was we played Ipswich Town and we won 7-0 wow and we had a winger called Alan Woodward Alan Woodward and he seven. scored three yeah and we had a centre forward called Tony Curry and he yeah. scored three as well Phenomenal player. Oh, fantastic player. Yeah. Unfortunately, all our top players like Tony Curry, Alex Sabella, they all tend to go and sign for Leeds. Alex (laughs) Sabella, yeah. They all tend to go and sign for Leeds, unfortunately. So, Mm. but no, we were, we're a good team. We're not the biggest team in Sheffield, unfortunately, I don't think, but it's the city, you know, I've got a passion for them. I love them. Yeah. I followed them through division, the old division four. Yeah. 
all the way up, you know. Yeah. There's an old saying, John, uh, northern families bought up on bread and jam. Mm. What was your, what was it like in your house? Was it bread and jam? No, it wasn't. We, my nan, tripe. Tripe and onions. Tripe and bread and dripping. Oh, yeah. Bread and dripping, yeah. I suppose. The, Hated uh, it. Being a personal trainer now, I suppose, I don't oh. really recommend it, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. good. Not good for cholesterol. Well, my grandma used to send me down to the shop and she used to say, make sure you get the jelly on the dripping. Yes. And it used to make me eat. <laughs> and it still does the thought of it now. And like you say, I mean, basically, it's pure fat, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, yeah. It's yeah. not good. It's not good. I used to put it in the pot. It used to come in a pot and it used to be in the fridge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and what about Yorkshire puddings, John, being a Yorkshireman? Well, Yorkshire puddings, we, we always ate them the proper way. Mm. We don't think anybody else in Britain eats them the proper way. Your Yorkshire pudding is a starter. Yeah. And you get it on your plate, it'd be the size of your plate, you'd top it up with gravy, you'd eat it, your plate would stay in front of you, and then your mum or your nan, or you'd come out with you and put all your food onto your plate, your potatoes, yeah. your meat, your veg. Yeah. And that's how we used to eat it. Well, I've heard my grandma, well, she used to say, you know, what we used to, and you're right, you know, the starter, but they used to douse it with sugar. Yes. You know, for the energy. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, fill you up with that stodge, mm. as it was. Um, and then by the time you had your dinner, you only wanted a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was the idea, I think. Yeah, yeah. because food was, well, it, certainly my grandma's mentality, going through the war and what have you, mm. um, you know, things were, and she'd still got that scarcity mentality. Yeah. She carried it with her, you know, for all her life because it's what she knew. Well, they all went through rationing, didn't they? And things yeah. Like I know my grandma used to do was powdered potato. Yeah. If you remember that, we used to call it pom. Yeah. And she'd never mix it right. And she was a heavy smoker, my gran. And she'd mix it and you'd eat into it. And you get, all of a sudden you get a lump of powder. Yeah. And then a lump of fag ash. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. my memory of my gran. Was that smash? Smash, get smashed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember it well. <coughs> So the uh, the other thing that we used to do every Tuesday, she used to get a pension. I used to get my paper money on a on a Friday. She used to get her a pension on a Tuesday, and um, I used to go to the local shop, Clarkies, where pound and and what you could get for a pound in those days, you could get half a dozen rashes of bacon, half mm. a dozen eggs, a loaf of bread, yeah. packet of nice biscuits. Yeah, you know we used to look. We used to think it was like it was lottery day. Yes, yeah, you definitely. Know? Um, I mean, what could you get for a pound now? You can't get anything ugly for a pound. No, well, you can't even get a cup of coffee, can you? No. Because you get a bottle of water. No. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, so um, comics. What about comics? Comics. Well, this is one of the reasons why I did my paper round, because mm. that was that was what I saved up for. My favourite one was, remember Shoot? Shoot, yeah. And that was my favourite magazine. I used yeah. to get, I, that, that was my paper round money, went towards my Shoot magazine, because every, every beginning of every season, Shoot magazine would start, and you used to get the cardboard league tables. Mm. I used to slot them, I used to stick them on my bedroom wall and do the league positions. Yeah. It was like a, it was like a stick in league, all four divisions. Yeah. Yeah, that, you know. Shoot. Yeah, yeah, I was never really into the comics as such. Yeah. Um, as I say, for me, the only thing I had any interest, well, I think I was absolutely besotted with, was Nottingham Forest. Yeah. Um, they they were, you know, uh, now is not the time or place to, to sort of go into that, but they were my reason for living. Mm. But it's interesting, only when they were doing well. I wanted that positive energy that, that went with winning. Mm. If they were losing, I took it as betrayal. Yes. But that was in the earlier days. And it was interesting when they started getting all that European glory... I lost interest. It's like, you don't need me anymore to support right, you. Right, yeah. You know, they mm. didn't need me anyway. Mm. But it just shows you In the power mind. of mindset of, they need me. They're a lowly second division side. Uh, people forget this under Brian Clough. Uh, 
you know, um, people go on about Brian Clough's phenomenal record, which it was over the uh, over the eighteen year period. But what they forget for the first sort of two and a half three seasons, he did nothing. No, um, he really didn't do anything. Uh, but you know, I was really, I suppose it was that what I I didn't understand it at the time, but rationalise now is the fighting for the underdog. But when they become big and famous, it's like right, okay. You yeah. don't need me. You don't I'm need off. me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, we've never had that at Sheffield United, so I've, I've always <laughs> felt loved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, felt loved. Okay. What beliefs do you think you you know what what beliefs were you, were instilled in you, John, from a very early age? Manners. Manners. Yeah. Manners. Um, respect. Yeah. Especially respect for elders, mm. which I think we've lost a lot of nowadays. Respect for the police. Yeah. I mean, we had local bobbies walking around. You wouldn't even look at them. Mm. You know, you had total respect for them. Now, you know, I just think we've lost that age. School, mm. you know, I'm a, a great believer in to bring discipline into schools again and things yeah. like that, you know. So it was it was, it was, was generally things like that. And I think that's why I went down the military route. Yeah. You know, but that was that was a big belief, from, especially for my mum and dad, you know. Mm. As I say, spoke when spoke to. Children yeah. should be seen and not heard yeah. in a formal way. Yeah. You know, but definitely the big one for me was manners. And I still I install it into my girls now. Please and thank you doesn't cost a penny. No. But it gets you a long way. Absolutely. Yeah, that connection with people. Yeah. Because I think generally speaking, um, irrespective of culture, geography, wherever we are in the world, you know, man- manners, yeah, manners yes. are priceless and, and necessary. Oh, you talk about the military, John. Mm. Um, have you got any... Particularly nostalgic, positive memories because you, you you know you you served some time in the military, didn't you? Wearing various uh, hats. Yeah, I, I did twenty five years in the end. Wow. You know. Yeah. Um, I have a, I, I, I've a, I've got a lot of good memories. You know, I, you don't remember the bad times. It's always a good time. But a lot of things that stick out for me were things like when I was a young chef. I was one of the chefs that helped make Charles and Di's wedding cake. Mm. Uh, then obviously I went into bomb disposal. A um, lot of things that made me uh, one of the f- one of the funny stories we ever had. One August, we actually cancelled the World Firework Display Championships because they found a five hundred pound World War Two bomb. Wow! We had to count. That was quite hilarious because we were getting some uh, emails about people that weren't very happy about the fireworks being dis- uh, cancelled. Yeah, uh, you know, it, good times. Yeah, they were good times. You know, it, it was good. I was, and when I came to the end of my time, I was, I was ready to leave. Yeah, but I was I was sad, uh, and I miss the boys to this day. Mm. You know, you mi- you get that you get a certain camaraderie mm. in the military, which is completely different. Yeah, to anything else. Yeah, mm. any one, you know, if, if you know over that that was a long time to serve, John, yeah. and obviously as I say, we're indifferent. But if you could single out one, maybe a couple of really really special moments with with pride, with positivity, what. Is it, or is that oversimplifying it? Could you not do no, that? No, not really. I couldn't. Be, I mean, I ran field gun. I don't know if you remember the field yeah. gun. I ran yeah. the royal tournament five times for Devonport and meeting the Queen. Yeah. She presented me with my medal. Meeting Prin- uh, Princess Diana. She was lovely. And uh, part of the drills, we used to go across a chasm on a wire, and I carried uh, William and Harry across on a chasm. Right. You know, things like that were all you know good, good fun. And of course, uh, what what many people may or may not know um, is you were the youngest person to serve in the Falklands, wasn't you? Yes, it? I was. I was sixteen. I had my seventeenth birthday down there. Yeah. So yeah, that was uh, didn't really remember much of celebrating much because we were yeah. obviously at war at the time, which we never thought we'd go to. 
Yeah. You yeah. didn't really realise what was going off though, John, did no, you? No, we didn't. No, we'd been in Gibraltar at the time and uh, we'd been doing an exercise and this the captain came on and he went, oh, right, we, 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 you know, Argentina have invaded the Falklands. We're going to head there and try and sort it out. And I'm thinking, why are the Argentinians off of Scotland? Mm. So I didn't have any idea where the Falklands was. I mm. thought it was part of the Shetlands. Yeah. I said, oh no, it's off South America. Yeah. So yeah, it was, uh, it was, and I'd only been in the military for less than a year by then. I just, mm. I was still in training really. But I suppose as a young lad of 16, John, um, you've got no concept of the real world and, you know, the no. fact that this young lad's going to war. I mean, I don't know, I asked the question rather than suggest an answer that surely you didn't, you, you didn't have a clue about the implications. No, of what it, it, war was it was a game. It was a game. game. Yeah. And uh, I think the only time it really hit home was when we, we got hit and uh, there was a lot of grown men crying and panicking. And I I, I thinking, oh, perhaps this isn't a game then. Mm. You know? But then, you know, to me it was, oh, this is what I've joined up for, this is a game, you know. Don't I? Yeah. It, I, I never really thought about it. I suppose I was young for my age as well. I never really thought about it until I was older, 18, 19. Yeah. Oh, hang on. That was quite dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> By which time, as you say, you're immersed in it and you're, yeah. you're dealing with it anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just flipping back to when uh, when we was kids, John, yeah. things like buying sweets, because most most children, kids buy sweets. And mm. we was we was laughing earlier on about some of the things that uh, we used to buy, uh, usually for a penny, or and that's an old penny, which I suppose is half a pea now or equivalent. Gobstoppers. Gobstoppers, yeah. Uh, fruit salads and blackjacks. Yeah. Four for a penny. Four for a penny. Yeah. Yeah. We used to go because we had a we had, where I lived. It was a terrace house, and down on the corner we had the corner, the old fashioned corner shop. Yeah. The old dear in there. I think she was born in there. She was about ninety then. Yeah. And she had the proper scales and all the jars lined up on the shelves, and you'd go in. Oh, I'll have a quarter of pineapple chunks or a quarter of toffee bonbons. Yeah. And she'd weigh them out for you, and you'd watch the gauge going up, and you with your money. 2p a quarter. Yeah. And you'd look there, and if the gauge was a bit below, you'd look at it like that, you'd just drop a couple extra in to take it over your quarter. You'd yeah. Look, I've got a couple extra. Yeah. yeah. Spanish gold was, was one of my favourites, which was like uh, straggles of, um, how can you describe them? Spanish gold, like straggles of uh, toughy and the real, I mean, the cholesterol strands is what they were. Um, things like that, yeah. I was into my sherbets, like the flying saucers, flying my sherbet dips with the licorice stick. Yeah, you know, yeah and the, yellow, the long yellow tube. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I remember as a child as well, I used to go into Woolworths and get the pick and mix. Pick and mix in Woolies, I mean, yeah. I, my nan used to take me in. Yeah, Tanner pick and mix. So, yeah. yeah. It's interesting when, you know, people of a certain age, John, still use that old, uh, I do from time to time, and particularly when I'm talking to young people, they look at me and say, what are you talking about? But, you know, like two and a half P as it is now, Tanner. Tanner, yeah. A th- a thre- threepence. Yeah, threepenny bits. Threepenny bits, you know, a shilling, 5p. Yeah. Two bob. Yeah, cause it, oh, was it 71 something? Yeah, like 71 I think yeah. it was, decimalisation, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. When it all went... Uh, yeah, all changed. All changed. Yeah. yeah. Remember Milkman? Milkman, yeah. Milkman. I used to hear the float coming down the road early in the morning. And it was always the time when I was getting up for my paper round. And you could hear the, the float humming down the road and then the chinging of the bottles. Rag and Bone Man. Rag and Bone Man, yeah. He'd come down with his horse and, and his horse and cart. Yeah. He'd never come up our road because our road was a dead end. He'd stay at the bottom and shout. Yeah. The um, I, I've still got um, I've still got vivid memories of um, 
either character, I didn't know what his name was, but he used to come around roughly every, I don't know, every three months or something. In the old rag, rag em all, bring them all, your rag and bones. And used to get a goldfish or you used to take all your rags out, didn't you? I mean, we was wearing rags, so we didn't have a lot to give no, away. No. But uh, what was interesting, a lot of the old deers, um, they used to follow the horse around for the manure, for the roses. Right, yes. Because the pride of the, you know, we were very, very, very poor. But certainly the older generation had an immense amount of pride. And like they'd have an allotment or they'd grow flowers. It was their piece of this is mine and I'm going to give it so much love. And so they used to, you know, use the manure. Sunday morning, they used to scrub the step. Yes, yeah. And then whitewash it. Whitewash it. I always had a white edge to it, our step. Yeah. You know, it was always yeah. immaculate. Yeah. And then like if the coal man come, used to, you know, the kids used to, grandma used to say, go out and get them cobbles. Yes. You know, any yeah. two or three cobbles that the coal man had, you know, had left, um, you used to, to, and kids would fight for them, you see, because mm. there was all coal for them, no gas fires in them days. No, there wasn't, no. There wasn't, yeah. no. I remember my grandma, she had a coal chute. Yeah. And you could hear him and he was loading up down into the cellar. Yes. And I go down with my granddad he'd be shoveling it all to one side, ready to go. And what used to happen as well is if a stranger come onto the estate, there used to be a, a retail out, a TV and radio outlet retail out called Alex Owen. I don't know if that was a national chain or just local to us in uh, where we were in Bestwood. But it used to come round every now and again and it was well very rare actually because nobody on our estate could really afford a TV. But when he did, all the kids used to, like, they used to chase the van. Like it's like something landed from Mars. Never seen this before. Blimey, yeah. where's he going? Yeah. Of course, we chased the van, yeah. obviously, until he drove off. But things like that, because it was like, there's a stranger in town. Yeah. Who is it? Because yeah. it was such a, a sort of poor but tightly knit community. If, yeah, they were, though. I mean, you used to know your neighbour. You, like, you could actually leave your doors open, couldn't you, you know, in those days? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, you... You could walk in from school and there'd be a woman from four doors down sat in your kitchen. Oh, where's my mum? Oh, she's down the road. Yeah. She'd be just sat there. You know, you, was, you felt safe. Don't know if that's naivety because we were young, but you felt safe. Yeah. Can you remember your first pint of beer? My first pint of beer? Yes, I can. Yeah, I can. I um, I used to knock around with a good mate of mine at school called uh, Andrew Denton, Paddy Denton. And his mum and dad were separated. And anyhow, on a Monday night, we used to go to his dad's house. He lived at the other side of Sheffield, towards Hillsborough. And we used to go over there. And anyhow, first time he went, he sat down and he went, right, son, you're 14. You're going to have your pint. I had a pint of lager. I had a pint of bitter. I didn't have lager, yeah. then we had bitter. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure it was John Smith's. Right. Because obviously with the big, the big brewery in Sheffield at the time was Ward's. Ward's Brewery used to sponsor Sheffield United. Right. And I think they've all gone now. Fish and chips. Fish and chips. Love fish and Batter bits. Batter bits. We, well, in Shell, we call them scraps. Scraps? Yeah, we used to get free bag. My uncle had a fish and chip shop on London Road, which is literally 100 yards from Bramall Lane. So, Saturday night, go and see my uncle Keith. He said, yeah, you are, John. I've got a nice big fish and chips. Free bag of scraps. <laughs> bag. Not healthy at all. Yeah. <laughs> of course, in them days, he used to wrap them in the newspaper, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they did, yeah. The print, yeah. All was, the print had yeah, come yeah. off, so not only would you have your fish and chips, but you'd have printer. Bit of ink. Yeah, yeah. a bit of ink as yeah, well. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. So, I suppose as, as we uh, as we draw to a close, John, and look back on this kind of uh, trip down memory lane, what would be your overriding memory if you know if we particularly if we've got some young listeners on listening to this podcast what would kind of what would, I suppose would be the one message that you feel has stood the test of time whether we turn the clock back 50 odd years like we are or you know that 
still still rings true now today. What would that be? Do you feel? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I think the first the, the biggest thing now is manners, respect yeah. for people. Yeah, you know, you can't. That'll never change. Mm. You know, no matter if you somebody's older than you, they're wiser, they know more. Listen to what they've got to say yeah. and have respect for them. Yeah. Please and thank you doesn't hurt. Yeah, you know, we're in a different world nowadays where we've got computers, we've got mobile phones. We never yeah. had that as kids. Even by the time we'd left school, there was no such thing as computers. Mm. You know, but manners has always been there. Manners shall always be there. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I agree with that. And I think for me, I suppose my overriding memory is that um, one of the things I was mindful of because I was very suppressed from an early age you know once my my mother remarried um, I didn't rationalize it at the time or intellectualize it in any way but I now know this to be profoundly true for each and every one of us no matter where we are in the world Um, man woman black white young old you know they're just labels but we've all got a voice yes and the message might change a little bit over the years but for me, the key message is let that voice be heard. Let that voice be heard and inspire others to let their voice be heard. And it's kind of what you've just said there, really, John, you know, particularly with the older generation, respect them. But I'd actually st- take that stage further now and I'd say respect everybody because everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a message. And I believe from my experience and my, my research that we just we just want to be heard. People just want to be heard. Definitely, definitely, Paul, yeah, I agree. Okay, so hopefully that's been useful, um, added a bit of value or a bit of uh, humour into people's lives. So, uh, John, thanks very much for your input on that. Thank you, Paul. And, uh, yeah, until, uh, until next time, listeners, take care, and I'll see you on the next podcast. Thanks for listening to the Mastering the Game of Life podcast. Drop a line to paul at paullowhearts.com with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at paullowhearts.com or any of his social media feeds under the same name. Remember, mastering life starts by embracing our hearts.